Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I think we really got something here. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Kyle Powell, hanging out for another hour here on WGR. Some NHL action going on right now. One game really affecting the Sabres. Penguins down 2-0 to the Devils. Pittsburgh is the closest team to the Sabres right now. Sabres are four points back. Uh, Same amount of games played after tonight. The Sabres will have a game in hand. And so far, so good. Devils up 2-0 on the Pens. Um... Teases before the uh, before the break. We had a trade earlier. If you didn't hear in sports, Jake Muzzin from the Kings to the to the Maple Leafs. You've got the Flyers GM today saying that everyone but Claude Giroux is available. You got the Anaheim Ducks who made a hundred plus roster moves this year, including a bunch of trades. They could be big time sellers and blow things up. You've got three teams right now, at least in the NHL: Ducks, Kings, Flyers that look like they could be on the verge of an absolute blow-up. And I looked at the Kings' cap-friendly page because I want to kind of poke around in each team, see like what I would want for the Sabres. And just looking at the Kings, they have roughly $50 million on their cap in players that are 30 years or older, older just this year. Like, one of the worst contract situation, or cap situations I've ever seen. Kopitar is $10 million at age 31 for another six years. Kovalchuk at 35, 6.25 for three years. Dustin Brown, 34. He's got four years left at 6 mil. Jeff Carter at 34. He's got four years left at over 5 mil. Carl Hagelin at 4 million. Dion Phaneuf for three more years, over 5 million. Alex Martinez at 31 for three more years at $4 million. Crazy part is, too, I think I'm going to check it out right now on Cap Friendly, oh. but I think they actually saved money by taking Hagelin and giving away really? Pearson because I think oh, they right. were paying Pearson, Pearson more. Right. Even so imagine G- what it would have looked like then. By the way, even Jonathan Quick, if you want him, 33 years old, he's got five more years at just about $6 million. It's a bad situation there, cap-wise. Um, so you've got those three teams. Kyle, you're, my, you're, you're the Flyers guy. Like what, what? What's going on there? Well, like why? The, we we know they've been terrible, but like why? Why are they blowing things up here? They're old, right? 
they're getting old. They've got some contract situations they like to get out of. They've got some free agents coming up that they're going to have to clear some money off the books for and probably cut ties with because they do have an influx of young talent. They're going to have to pay a lot of the guys in their decor in a couple of years when their RFA contracts come up. Travis Konechny is due for a payday. He's in year three. X, Y, Z. You go down the list. But, you know, there was a lot of turmoil in Philadelphia. And now, full, justifiably so. Because now Full, full blow-up would have to be trading like Konechny or Couturier. Correct. That would be the biggest or no bat signal in the air. Yeah. Saying, okay, all right, white flag, take how, whatever you want. How realistic do you think it is they trade those guys? I know he said today any everyone but Drew, but those three in particular. Because if I'm the Sabres, really if I'm any team, like I'd be interested if, if I'm, a, I'm looking for a rental in like Wayne Simmons. Um, the Van Riemsdyk and Voracek contracts seem like something I wouldn't want to take on. Like the three players that you're going to get the most interest in, are the two that are young and on entry-level deals, Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny. I would think Philly's not going to want to move on from those guys. And then Couturier, who I think is really interesting at age 26, like good contract, but he's also only had like one amazing year. And the rest of his career has kind of been like, okay. Like, Third and fourth line minutes, but yeah. last year he breaks out. I Which doesn't thought. often happen at age 25. That's very true. I had a thought. I had a thought. I promise I had one. Um, yeah, I agree with your, my big ticket that I, I looked at, I looked at all the, the contracts and it's kind of frightening at times. Yeah. Couturier, $4.33 million for a year, per year until 2022-23. But, oh, that, that was the point I was trying to make. Chuck Fletcher says anybody, anybody on our roster is up for grabs. Sure. That's not to say that they're there for free though. Right. So those young players, they're going to cost a pretty penny because we may be rebuilding, we may be advertising ourselves as sellers, but that doesn't mean we're giving away players for free. You want to go? You want to make a move for a 23-year-old in Travis Konechny or a 20-year-old was a second overall pick two years ago in Nolan Patrick? It's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. Because those were our future assets, and if you want to take them from us, we're going to need a lot in return from you. I'll say this. Sabres got three first-round picks. Like They might be one of the teams that they could be looking for. Now, the only thing there is like if you were trading for a 20 year old that's such an odd trade because mm-hmm. what do they want prospects back like he is kind of a prospect that's why i think i think that that especially to me just seems very unrealistic even though he didn't mention them along with Giroux, i'd be stunned if they traded either of those two guys couturier is the one guy that's most interesting to me i'd love him on the sabers and the sabers biggest weakness i think we all know right now is their depth at center they get nothing on offense really at yeah, they get nothing on offense outside of Jack Eichel. You brought in Couturier. Like, now we're talking. That's replacing O'Reilly's production, almost, but you're paying $3 million less a year for it, and he's younger. So, like, that is a great piece that I would want the Sabres to get. If I'm looking at Philly for, just for a second here, that's the player. Dream scenario, how do I pry him out of there? Sabres have three first-round picks. Like, they could afford to get that guy. And the age is like, it's, I'm fine with that. 26? Like, that'd probably be my upper limit. If I'm trying to make a big move here, I'm probably not going older than that. So he's, like, kind of just on the on the fence there. Like, Couturier would be the guy I would love to see here. Couturier would be the big ticket item. If I, had th- if I had to name three players that I would expect to be dealt okay. before the deadline... And in no particular order, I would say it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt to watch it. But I would say somebody takes Wayne Simmons yep. for the playoff push. Rental. 
Someone takes Michael Raffle, 30 yeah. years old, $2.35 million, free agent at the end of the year. Also rental. Very good penalty killer, depth winger. He's yeah. found, he's almost like a, an older version of Zembis Gergensen. He wasn't a touted first-round draft pick, but those are guys sure. that have settled into bottom six roles and have, and have thrived on special teams, especially when, they're, when their team is down a guy. Raffle has really come on strong the last few years on that penalty-killing unit in Philly. Mm-hmm. Someone could buy into that. And oddly enough, I mean – just kind of came to my head. If Vegas is willing to pay what they paid last year for a big bruiser guy and Ryan Reeves heading into the playoffs, then who's to say someone might actually take a flyer on Rodko Gudas for three and a half million dollars? Forgot about him. I didn't even look at the defense. And that's a year and change. He's a free agent wow. after next year. Three point three five million dollars, twenty eight years. If Ryan Reeves, what did he? Second round pick it cost? It was a three team trade, I believe. With well, the draft Pittsburgh paid a first. And they got mm-hmm. something else back. Maybe they gave up a first and they got Reeves in a second. But he had value for some reason. He had value for some reason. Yeah. Elephant on skates somehow had uh had had whatever. Um so to me, that's probably I like those three players, I don't think I'd be interested if I'm Buffalo. Probably. You're looking big name for Coots? Because that's that's, that's the a guy, great man. idea for you too. He's in his prime. I mean, four I, more I, I years of if control. I could probably gossip spear away, of course I would love that, but like, Couturier is the best fit to me. Right, because you're not in a position of my window is closing here. You guys are just starting opening yep. that window. That door is just beginning to creak open. If you want to make a huge move that goes towards the future, then that's the smartest way to go at this deadline. A minor move or a big move or something like that where you can look yourself in the mirror as a general manager and say, well, we had some assets coming up for this draft, but I think Sean Couturier will be better than those assets mm-hmm. in the long run going into his late 20s. Now, the only thing about that is that's kind of a fast-forward trade. That's like something that I feel like Tim Murray would have done. Tim Murray saw Sean Couturier available, he would have gotten, he would have gotten him, no matter what the price was. And that scares me a little bit. Now, just because it's something Tim Murray would, done, would have done doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. The way you go about it. Right. It's the execution of it. Yeah. So, so I'd be hesitant, but like that's that's my... I love that idea. Love that idea. Um, Ducks. Before we get to the Kings. The Ducks, I talked a little bit about them last week. They've got a couple players in their 20s that I think the Sabres should at least be interested in if they're available. If the Ducks want to go full blow up here. Uh, Ricard Raquel is the guy. Great contract. 25 years old. Four years left on it. Here's the thing. Kind of like a Tourier. I don't know if you, he's available. But if like that's the move that I want the Sabres to make. Otherwise, I don't really want them to make one. Get a guy that you wouldn't that you would have been you would be surprised that they're available. Like I don't otherwise I'm not, I'm not I don't know how interested I'm gonna be. Silverberg's been talked about, like, eh, okay. Like I, I, that's okay. Twenty eight years old, he's alright. But he's also gonna be a UFA at the end of the year. Like that's the guy that's mentioned being available. I want Raquel, who you would be stunned if he traded. And then the Kings, like I said I mentioned before, with their contract situation, it's brutal. Just brutal. And I don't want any of those deals. They don't really have any young talent. Toffoli's the closest thing to that. He's 26. 4.6 million for two years. Um, But that's about it. Like, I don't know what that team is thinking. Dean Lombardi was their GM. Got them in a whole big mess. And now you're at the point where I'm a team like Buffalo... And now that Jake Muzzin's not on your team anymore, I'm looking at the roster. There's not a single thing I'd want. Nothing. 
Kovalchuk, like Br- Dustin Brown, Jeff Carter, all guys in their mid thirties. Like that's where that team is at. I think they got what they deserved with that Ilya Kovalchuk contract. Anyway, the right. sentiment and the idea of him coming back to the states was so fun. Mm-hmm. But boy, oh boy, the team that actually goes out and pays that contract. It's like, didn't they already know how many you bad know contracts they had to players in their 30s? And they like that. They added that on top of it. Yeah. How has he been this year for them? Nine goals, 13 assists, and 40 games. He's Ugh. basically Tyler Toffoli. Right. And he's older. Ten years older. Not great. Um, so there's that. I think the Sabres going to be an interesting spot in the deadline. Uh, those are three teams. I think if they go blow up, like those are the three teams I'd be interested in uh, trading for or trading with. Let's try to go to the phone lines again. 8030550 is the number. Ricky. Ricky, there. No, Ricky. We tried. We th- we thought third time would be the charm, but uh, we're having some phone issues. So That's why it's a 162-game slate, Joe. You'll be fine. Three Dust strikes. This one off. It's not, it's not th- third time's a charm. It should be three strikes, you're out. That's right. But who's out <laughs> That's here? right. Am I out? I can't leave. I think the phone is out. The phone's out. That's right. No, that's right. Good Good call. I was about to walk away in a second here, and then you said silence. Um, quick score update on that Devils Penguins game. By the way, it's still two. It's three to one, Devils, which is good. Maybe the Sabers can uh, stay within four points. Um, this is going to be a real tough second half stretch here for them. They got just making up ground. It's going to be tough. Playing from behind. This is the one thing you didn't want to get sucked into with the Sabers. That's why we all wanted a fast start. That's why they talked all about fast starts at the beginning of the year. And they got out to one. And yet, here we are again. Trying to play catch-up. The good thing is, they're not too far back. This isn't like a couple years ago where it's like, oh, they're eight, nine points back. It's like, eh, if they go on a winning streak, then maybe we can talk about something. We're talking about something now. We don't need the win streak. We just need them to play above 500 hockey for the rest of the year. They're projected right now to end up at about 91 points. That's probably going to fall about two, three points short of what the playoff number is. So where do you find those other two, three points? They're going to have to win some games they don't, you don't think they're going to win. Like They might have to beat Tampa if they even play them again. I think they do. You might have to beat the Leafs. Like you're going to have to beat some really tough teams because you've got to make up ground somewhere. And maybe that's just winning your games that you play against these other teams. You don't play Boston again, so that would be tough. But like tomorrow night, Win those games. Win those four-point games, and they'll probably be fine. Like, they can realistically, a month from now, with that home stretch and the Montreal Canadiens on a bye week and playing a lot of the teams that are you're, ahead, you're right behind in the standings, you win the games you're, that are important to you, a month from now they could be in a comfortable spot. That's realistic. We've seen how easy it is to get into it and how hard it is to get well, how hard it is to get back in it. But what we have seen is if a team like the Sabres were drops off big time, which to me there are two candidates that could happen. Montreal Islanders, they could absolutely drop off big time. Columbus throw them in as a third if they make those trades. If they trade Panarin, if they trade Bobrovsky. And that's what my Twitter poll is. Those three teams. Those are the that's why I picked those three teams. They're most likely to drop off in a big way. If that happens, all the Sabres really got to do is play slightly above 500 hockey. And they'll be okay. They'll be in the playoffs. Now, other way to look at the standings. And this is a kind of cynical way to look at it. Because we're only thinking about the race right now. 
when they were, you know, first place in the NHL, we were thinking about, oh, do we want to play Toronto or would we rather go across and play the other division? And that conversation seems very far away right now. Let's go back to playoff matchups for a second. If they do squeak in, probably going to end up with that second wildcard spot. That's Tampa. That's a death sentence. Really. It's almost as important, I would say, to get in as it is to get that top wildcard spot. Because then we can really... like we they, they could have something. That Metro looks like trash right now. At least when we're talking about a deep playoff run. I mean, they're playing well. Like The Islanders are playing great right now. But Washington is struggling mightily lately. Columbus has been playing okay, about 500 hockey recently. The Penguins have not been playing great. If you can get into that bracket and avoid Tampa or Toronto until the conference finals, they realistically could make the conference finals if they got that top wildcard spot. Like, seriously, they'd be an underdog in every round. No one would predict them to do it. I wouldn't predict them to do it. But it would, like, it could happen. It would be kind of like Ottawa a couple years ago when they did it. Ottawa went through a pretty weak stretch. Like you got to, four goals from round. J.G. Paggio. Yeah. In one of those overtime games. Like, I, that was a Cinderella How did they get there? there? They beat Boston in round one. New York was round the one. Rain, the Rain, I think the Rangers was round two. Yeah, Rangers was round two. Because okay. I remember one of those two teams who no one really thought was that good. Like, they were both average teams. We all knew one was getting to the conference finals. Oh, yes, you're right, because yeah. the Rangers took out the Capitals in seven right. games before right. that. So, like, that could happen. You could be this year's Ottawa. You get an easy stretch in the playoffs. How fun would that be? They up, they go on a playoff run, upsetting. I mean, would it even be an upset, but if they played the Islanders? <laughs> and, like, then the Blue Jackets. Like, that's not that tough. Or maybe you get the Capitals or the Penguins along the way. But those two teams, even though they're the Capitals and the Penguins, not Tampa or Toronto, it's important. I mean, if they do squeak in, it's probably going to be a sweep. That Tampa team is one of the best teams I've ever seen put together. They have no flaws. They have depth. They have top-end elite goal scoring. They have top-end franchise defensemen. They have one of the best goalies in the league. Like, they have it all. Think about that. Like, what's the Sabres' advantage right now? The Sabres' advantage is they have two premier offensive players over everybody. Like, right now. At some point, Dalene's going to really hop into that conversation Like as a franchise defenseman. He'll be a big reason why you're getting into the playoffs. But as of right now, it's Eichel and it's Skinner. And look at Tampa. Tampa has that. They have Stamkos and they have Kucherov, which is better than Eichel and Skinner. And then... They've got the franchise defenseman at Hedman. Just, it's it's a perfectly built team. And if the Sabres do happen to run into them, it's going to be fun to make the playoffs. And it'll be fun to go through the series. Like, if they can pull a game or two out of there and make it seem interesting, that'll be fun. But it would be one of the biggest upsets I've ever seen in the NHL if that Tampa team got upset in the first round. Toronto adding Muzzin makes me think that they're going to have a little bit harder of a challenge when they face Toronto, if they face Toronto at some point. But that team's got to win the Cup this year. Just like for my sanity, they've got to win the Cup. Because when you have a perfectly built team like that, they should win. I'm a big NBA fan. 
The Warriors right now are the perfectly built team in the NBA. They have five All-Stars, literally. They have five players on their starting rotation that have made All-Star games. DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Tampa, in a similar light, is a perfectly built team. If they don't win the Cup, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go insane. If, especially if they lose to like some team that's like winning on just goaltending and like the puck's going in off someone's knee. I don't know who that'd be. That might even be Buffalo. But like, <laughs> I was gonna say you're. It's probably the describing the same. I think, I'm, yeah. But like, if they lost to Montreal, even in that same light, if they lost to Montreal, oh, just I wouldn't be able to take it. I'm not rooting for Tampa, but they they need they should win. They should be an overwhelming favorite to win. And I don't want to play them in round one, but I do want to make the playoffs. So, like, I would take playing Tampa over not making it, obviously. But I do think it's it's very important that the Sabres catch two of these teams. If they can pull that off. It's asking a lot, I know, especially when they're not in it. But can you catch Montreal and Pittsburgh? Can you just finish above them both so I can play the Islanders in round one? That wouldn't be a sexy matchup at all. But you could win that series. Give me Robin Leonard in a playoff series. 803-0550 is the phone number. Actually, I shouldn't give the phone number out now because we're having some phone issues. Uh, I'll give it out again, though, if we get that figured out. Um, it's the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell, about a half hour left here on WGR. You don't have that guy at number nine where you're chomping at the bit to, to select. And the closest that may come to that is DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, who has the physical tools, but he's coming off a neck injury. So that kind of puts the kibosh on selecting him that high in the process. Bleacher Reports, Brent, Brent, Brent Sobleski. We're going to hear from him in about 10 minutes. Talking draft with the morning show guys this morning. Senior Bowl as well. He was at the Senior Bowl, I think. Um, we, I got a, a couple things I do want to, I want to talk about before, um, before we get to him. One's basketball, one's football. One is this Browns thing I wanted to talk about. How, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are so many ways to be depressed as a Browns fan over the past decade. Like, now now they're getting some hope. Like, Baker Mayfield, awesome. Like, that's going to work. But the last decade, how many, there's a list of things that have gone wrong for Browns fans. And that's just quarterbacks, actually. You can do another list for the other stuff. How, how often do you think they think about the fact that one of their former head coaches is now the the best coach in NFL history, in Bill Belichick. Like that's got to be a brutal, brutal pill to swallow. Yeah, it's probably not great. Imagine if you're the imagine if we were Bills fans here sitting here today, and I don't know, um, who should I use for this? Who who would be who would be good to use for this? Greg Williams became the greatest coach in NFL history, winning five Super Bowls and going on a twenty year dynasty. I mean, it would just be brutal. How do you how how do you be a Browns fan? I mean, we're about as close as I think you get. In fact, I think we've suffered more in many ways. But they, at one point on their staff, had the arguably the greatest NFL coach of all time and arguably the greatest college football coach at one time on the same staff. And it, they really went nowhere with it. That's got to be brutal. 
Oh, poor Browns. But, like I said, they're going to – seems like they're going to get things together here. The other thing I want to talk about is NBA and this Anthony Davis report. It's not a report, actually, now. It's a – the team admitted that he is asked for a trade out of New Orleans. And it may it does make you think of, like, small markets, and it makes you think of Buffalo a little bit. That's a different sport, and it's different in that sport when you're a superstar in a small market. It's It's almost rare – that guys stick around in those small markets. Like, there's exceptions. LeBron goes back to Cleveland. Like, Russell Westbrook stays in Oklahoma City. Like, it does happen. But a lot of times, guys are leaving after that first deal or two. And this is another example of it. It would be tough, I think, to be a small market fan in that sport right now, especially when you have a team that you know at the beginning of the year they're winning the championship. Like, that's got to suck. You know they're about to win their fourth in five years. The whole thing's interesting, though. It's interesting as an outsider, as an unbiased fan. Someone, especially for me, I just like the sport. I don't really have a – I have a team, uh, Denver, I would say I root for, but, like, not, not crazy. For the sport, it's good. But it's got to – like, those small market fans, I feel for them because it's got to feel like there's no hope for 20 teams in that league. Like, what are you supposed to do? If you're the Sacramento Kings, what are you supposed to do? If you're the Orlando Magic, what are you supposed to do? Like, at least here, like with the Sabres, you kind of know there's always a chance. You can strike gold with superstars in, like, the middle rounds in this league. Or you can get lucky with goaltending, and, like, that can carry you through a playoff series or playoff stretches. And, like, in that sport, if you don't have, like, three, four superstars, it's, like, it's hopeless. That's got to sting. Well, like I said, it's good as a, like it's good for casual fans, and I think that's why it's growing in popularity because people will always tune in to watch Golden State. They always will. And right now, I mean, if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, and maybe they get another guy, maybe if Jimmy Butler or Kyrie goes to the Lakers too. That's how people watch your sport when you've got those two super teams going up against each other. If you got Golden State with their insanely good roster against maybe a Laker team that would have LeBron and then two other superstars, one of which being Anthony Davis. I I feel caught in between a lot of times in that sport. And like, this is one of those situations because you feel for, I feel for new Orleans fans being a small market team in that sport. Like that's got to suck. But I also want to see Anthony Davis go to the Lakers because it'd be a super team. And then I could watch those two teams play. So Kind of caught in the middle here. All right, let's take a t- take a timeout here a little early so that we can get you Brent Sobleski in full, full from Bleacher Report talking draft after this. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. Jody Biasi, Kyle Powell, a little bit longer here on WGR. Let's now hear from Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report. He was on the morning show today talking NFL draft and their senior bowl. Here is Brent with the guys. We were just talking about Tyree Jackson and the Senior Bowl a little bit. Let's continue those discussions. Perhaps that was uh, one of the things you did over the weekend. Watch the Senior Bowl. Look at Tyree and Anthony Johnson. Or maybe you were just looking for potential Bills players. We are going to the Western Hotline, and uh, we're joined right now by Brent Sobleski. Brent is the Bleacher Report NFL analyst, and he's with us right now on WGR. Brent, it is uh, Howard and Jeremy. Good morning. Happy Monday. 
Uh, good morning to you, gentlemen. I hope those out there watch the Senior Bowl instead of the Pro Bowl because you actually got to see <laughs> some actual competition in that contest. Yeah, I don't. I didn't watch a second of the Pro Bowl, but I did. I watched the Senior <laughs> Bowl at the very least to see Tyree Jackson. And let, let's start there because we were just having this discussion. I think it's interesting here in Buffalo. A, he's a Buffalo quarterback, obviously, but B, it seems like he is this year's Josh Allen. Like you know, everybody will bring up how strong his arm is, but we'll also talk about how he's got to become more accurate and he's got to work on his footwork and some of his mechanics. You know, the irony is, while we discuss Josh Allen as a first-round prospect, we're not doing so with Tyree Jackson. Right. And when you look at Tyree and his physical skill set, it is absolutely outstanding. (laughs) If God were to make a quarterback, it would look a lot like Tyree and his size and his arm strength and his uh, mobility and just the natural tools you want from the position. But it's those the minute issues of playing the position where he struggles and you don't see the consistency and um, where he comes away from the senior bowl still needing to improve prove himself. And that's, you know, how does he uh, – uh, how is his mental processing? How is he on his accuracy on short to intermediate routes? How is his uh, is his fundamentals? Do they break down um, when he's pressured? You know, so on and so forth. And, the, and these factors where it's the little things with quarterback that really matter. And while we love the physical attributes, there's a lot of question mark that's going to push him most likely into a day three prospect. When you talk about the, the, I'm sorry. We talk about the accuracy and mechanics, things like that. Specifically, is it in the delivery? Is it in footwork? Is it with Allen? I think we all heard it was about the footwork and the passes sailed because of the way he uh, he was so raw in that in that aspect. For Tyree Jackson, is it delivery? Is it is it footwork? What specifically? Well, I've always been taught. I think that's the old Bill Walsh model that when it comes to playing the quarterback position, it starts from the ground up, and you need to be consistent when it comes to in your drops. Um, your your space and your length of your of your steps, and that's where it gets you get a little bit of the gobbledygook, as it were, when it comes to uh, Tyree Jackson. Now we've seen a quarterback who's not all that uh, fundamental when it comes to search with a certain situation. His name is uh, oh yeah Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but he gets away with a lot of stuff that you, really most other quarterbacks can't. So when you want to see with Tyree Jackson, you want to see him shorten his stride. You want to see his footwork married to the passing concepts. You want to see how um, his release is consistent and it doesn't start getting elongated. So these are things that are usual when it comes to larger quarterbacks that they need to tighten everything up. And when you do so, working with your footwork up through your hip torque and into your arm slotting, when you have that consistency, it makes you more accurate. It makes you more reliable overall. Did you, you know, uh, to, to, to the points you were making about his game, his overall game, granted it's, it's just a, a small snippet, but the last drive he had, the touchdown drive, where he was throwing a lot of stuff underneath, he was basically taking what they were giving, and he's hitting checkdowns, and he's throwing to the running back over the middle. It, it, was that something that you know, could help his case, that it wasn't just the 50-yard bomb to start his first possession, he's throwing the, the shorter stuff now and showing some success at that? Absolutely. Tom Brady is going to be the best of all time because that's what he does. He takes exactly what you give him and consistently does so. And while that's, while ever, you know, they always say you love the long ball, you dig the long ball, and that's fantastic. We know that's within his game. But quarterbacking is far, I don't want to say simpler, but we don't give enough credit to the little things that those guys can consistently do, like finding the open receivers pre and post snap. 
being consistent with ball placement, even on those shorter routes, so it allows receivers to create yards after catch. These are the little aspects that make good quarterbacks great quarterbacks. So when we look at Tyree Jackson, you see a guy that can push the ball downfield vertically. There's absolutely no question whatsoever. There was a pass during that senior bowl where he did so, but what was so what was impressive to me was that he did so staring down the gun barrel. And by that, I mean yeah. there was an on, oncoming was rusher hit. who yeah. just blasted him right in the chest right. and still delivered that ball 54 yards downfield. Yep. Those are the little things. We know he, he has the arm strength to push the ball to vertical receivers. Start doing all those little things, and you'll go from a project to a potential starter. We're with Brent Sobleski on our Wester Hotline. I wanted to get some, some other guys in, obviously, but the other UB player was Anthony Johnson. You know, he only had one catch in the game, so taking in the whole week, all the practices, what did you think about Anthony, and where would you slot him at this point? You know, with Anthony, obviously you have the production. He's just been spectacular, one of the best downfield threats we've seen in in college football the last two seasons. That's why he's married so well with Tyree Jackson in that offensive scheme. Where I want to see is a little more explosiveness in and out of his routes. Um, when he hits the top of his stem, stem, can he separate? We know he has the physical ability to win 50-50 balls or shield off defenders, but now can he, at, at least against the NFL level, in top cornerbacks who are far more difficult and far stickier overall, is he going to be able to create that separation in, their, in, in intermediate routes and become a full wide receiver and not just someone you're going to rely upon downfield? So I don't think that was answered yet. I want to see when we get to the combine how he tests, is especially his short area, short area quickness, and if that's going to place him in a position to be considered one of the – this is – okay, with this year's wide receiver class, it's, it's a little different mm-hmm. because you don't have that quote-unquote elite guy, you know, that Julio Jones or A.J. Green, but you got a, a plethora of talented guys that can go mid to late first round into second round. I think when you look at it, Johnson's now sitting on that next tier beyond that. It's funny. You, that's where I wanted to ask you about the next position was wide receivers, Brent, because it is a position of interest for the Bills. And as you said, it's not, you know, there's probably nobody there that you'd say, boy, at nine, the Bills would be lucky to get fill in the blank guy. But, but you, I watched some of the guys during the week. Um, Debo Samuel, Penny Hart, Terry McLaurin, Keelan Doss had a big week. You know, what do you think overall of at least the senior bowl receivers? It looked like there were some guys with some speed. It looked like there were some guys who could, you know, be jet sweep guys in, 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 in the offense here. What do you think of that group of receivers? Who stood out to you for the week? Well, first of all, no offense to the Bills or its fans out there, but they could use anyone. <laughs> Wide receiver. <laughs> Fair and they need talent yeah. on the yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're, you're correct in stating that you're, you don't have that guy at number nine where you're, you're – chomping at the bit to to select. And the closest that may come to that is DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, okay. who has the physical tools, but he's coming off a neck injury. So it kind of puts the kibosh on selecting him that high in the process. Now you're looking at skill sets and, and how they fit within your offense. Are you looking for guys that can create yards after catch? Someone that wasn't at the Senior Bowl that has that potential, for, for example, is Ohio State's Paris Campbell. Set Ohio State records this year in receptions and, and yardage really good in those short routes and be able to creating afterwards. Debo Samuel is very similar, and Debo was probably the best guy in the senior ball, at least at that position. And he's one of and despite his size, you know, you're right around six foot, just under 210 pounds, someone that has the ability to stretch the ball deep. But what you want to do is get him the ball in his hands as either a receiver or a runner and allow him to create because he's built more like a running back in his ability um, to break tackles and, and mm-hmm. create yardage for you. So he was probably the most interesting guy 
in Mobile simply because of that skill set, and he consistently found ways to get open. And that's a huge key, right? I mean, it sounds simplistic, but when we talk about separation with wide receivers, whether it's pure blazing speed, whether it's size that creates a mismatch, or you have that short area quickness like, for example, an Andy Isabella or the Penny Hart, the smaller guys who you automatically project to the slot, which isn't necessarily the case with either of them. They could play inside or outside, but they're so quick and have that top-end speed to to create separation between themselves and defensive backs, that you start to consider them maybe a little earlier in the process than we used to because we used to downgrade that position. But now slot receivers are a starting position in the NFL, and you need guys that produce. You need guys that uh, you can become that quote-unquote security blanket for a quarterback. And I don't like to make the comparison, but I'll just bring up the name as an example, that Wes Welker within an offense. You know, I know in most cases that we joke in the draft community that just means he's a short white guy that can catch the football. But in this case, you have multiple guys who can play that play that position and have the talent to do so. And I look at guys like Samuel. I look at uh, uh, Kyle McLaren from Ohio State who probably performed very well down in Mobile. Um, so these are names that you could look at maybe third, fourth round. We can get production, and you don't have to spend a precious asset to address wide receiver. A couple other things I want to cover with you. Brent Sobleski with us from Bleacher Report, NFL analyst on our Western Hotline. Regardless of position, Brent, again, taking into account the entire week, the practices in the game, player two or three, anybody really you think uh, had a big week and really helped their draft stock? Well, the first and foremost, and I'll, I'll admit it right off the bat, I'm a former Big Ugly, so I'm always concentrating on the offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and it's set up for their success at Mobile. I mean, let's be honest. You have the, the one-on-ones all week that scouts will go over numerous times and shows their ability not only as blockers but as pass rushers and really sets up well for them to succeed. In that frame of mind, Dalton Reisner from Kansas State, the potential starting right tackles. Now, there were questions coming into this week whether he was a first or second round talent because of how he was going to be utilized. Many projected him inside the center or guard. But first of all, his arms laying uh, measured over 34 inches, which is perfectly fine for a left tackle, or excuse me, right tackle. And then on top of it, he shut down some of the best pass rushers in the senior bowl, whether Montez Sweat or Jalen Ferguson, his ability to play his angles and anchor is really difficult to get around him. I'll point out a stat that he didn't allow a single sack all season. So I look at someone like Reisner, who's not sexy, but you get the type of guy who can get, who can create a difference within your offensive front because of how reliable. And then on top of it, his attitude, you see a guy that can step in day one as a tailor made right tackle. Now, defensively, you look at a Montez Sweat, even though Reisner shut him down, he has the traits you want for an edge rusher with that length at six foot six, long, lean, flexible, someone that can potentially be a top 15 pick in his own right. And furthermore, because it's the best story of the week, when I look at Kalen Saunders coming out of Western Illinois, the leather, the leathernecks, when you have the guy that had a baby during the week, flew from Mobile back home, got to meet his daughter for the first time, comes back Friday, gets a sack in his, uh, I believe, his second series of the game, 330 pounds, and you'll find him on social media doing backflips. All this is such a wonderful story, and he deserves to be mentioned. Lastly, of the back to the quarterbacks, we'll make that our final question. We don't need to worry about it this year here, but as you watch the group, did anybody separate themselves this week from the Senior Bowl class? 
Based on expectations, no. You know, when I came into this week, uh, I expected Drew Locke and Daniel Jones to be first-round picks. I leave that week still expecting them to be first-round picks. Okay. Now, if you, it was, it would just came down to which one would come off the board first. If 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 you want a differentiation, I think it does fall to Locke, and that he had a better overall week, not only on the field showing his arm strength and consistency, but in the classroom working with the NFL staff. So while I still project and believe both will in the first round. I'm now of the belief that Locke will definitely go higher than Jones. Brent Sebleski with us, uh, talking Senior Bowl on our West Star Hotline. Brent, thanks. Thanks for coming on with us this morning. Appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Have a good day. All right, there he is, Brent Sebleski from Bleacher Report on the Senior Bowl and the NFL Draft. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the whole show per usual on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. I'll be back on... Wednesday, for a very brief nightcap. My only other full show this week's Thursday. The Sabres are back. That's why. You got Sabres hockey tomorrow at 7 at the Blue Jackets here on WGR. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good night. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.